Hello, hello, y'all. Hey, it's me, Robin. And before we get into today's episode, I'm here to let you know that the club is open right now for new members. I'm going to take a couple minutes to fill you in on all that the club is offering right now. So if you know for sure you're not interested in joining the club, you're just going to want to hit the forward button a few times until you hear that baffling behavior show jingle. Okay, so the club is a virtual community for families of kids with vulnerable nervous systems and big baffling behaviors. Many families in the club are parenting kids with a history of complex trauma, but definitely not all. Some are parenting kids with vulnerabilities that emerge from their neurotype or their sensory system or their giftedness or their neuroimmune disorder. And of course, some have no idea why their child's nervous system is so vulnerable. The primary purpose of the club and why I've created it the way that I have is connection and co-regulation. Because when I reflect back on my time as a therapist, it wasn't the skills and strategies and tools and techniques I taught parents that mattered the most. What mattered most was how connection and co-regulation strengthened their owl brain so that they could stay more regulated in the face of the chaos in their home. Then they could, number one, actually use the tools, and number two, start to feel a little bit better even before the tools started to work. The club can be accessed online both through your browser on your computer and through an app. And it's open, of course, 24-7. There's a very active forum, a huge video library, and multiple live events every month. Sometimes I teach a masterclass on a specific topic. Sometimes we come together for group coaching or just to ask questions and pick, pick my brain. We have two sessions every month called Connect and Co-Regulates, and those are designed to offer exactly that. There's no teaching, no coaching, just a place for you to be seen and heard by people who get it. Currently, we are also offering once a month bonus sessions for siblings of dysregulated kids. The club is intended to be kind of like a buffet. There is a ton in it, not because you're supposed to do everything in the club. You take what you need when you need it and come back when you're ready for more. If you could use a little extra support, consider joining us. You can read all about all the details over at robingobel.com slash the club. I'll put a link in the show notes And we're open today until the end of the day, Friday, May 3rd. All right, y'all, here's that episode you're waiting for. Few behaviors seem to consistently and predictably feel as extremely difficult for basically every parent I've ever met than lying. The struggle with lying comes up with every single family I've ever known and worked with. So today, let's take a closer look at this super tricky behavior that sometimes feels like it will never get better. I'm Robin Goble, and you're listening to the Parenting After Trauma podcast, where I take the science of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human and translate that for parents of kids who have experienced trauma. This is episode 15, Lying as a Trauma-Driven Behavior. 
if you follow this podcast since the beginning, you know that it's been through some changes in just 15 short episodes. I started the podcast as audios from Facebook Lives, but I've actually discovered I enjoy creating audio podcasts in my studio much more than being on Facebook Lives. Something about being able to be in my PJs and not really having to straighten out my office to be on camera really works for me. My intention remains the same to get free accessible support to you as fast as possible. So the podcast isn't fancy and I do very little editing. You are already hearing the cockadoodle doing because it's morning and that's what they do in the morning. And you may get lucky enough to hear hens singing their, hey, someone laid an egg song, which is pretty cool. I'd never had chickens before and I didn't know that hens had this fun little song that they sing. So I don't edit any of that out. I think it's fun. People tell me that they smile when they hear these chicken noises. And like I said, my goal isn't to do tons of fancy editing. My goal is to get you what you need as fast as possible. If you love this episode, please add Parenting After Trauma to your favorite podcast player and share with your friends and colleagues. Last week on the podcast, we talked about the importance of putting on our x-ray vision goggles. If you missed that episode, you'll definitely want to go check it out. It's episode 13. X-ray vision, our x-ray vision goggles, understanding the neurobiology of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human means we get to free ourselves from the scary beliefs that behaviors our kids are demonstrating are serious character flaws or a representation of who our kids are at their core or solely designed to manipulate us or even a reflection of our worth as a parent. So think about that for a moment. I mean, really think about it. What if we really could release ourselves from those beliefs, right? Release ourselves from the beliefs or the fears that our kids' behaviors are about their character or a representation of who they are at their core or only designed to manipulate us or a reflection of our worth as a parent, right? What if we really could release release ourselves from those beliefs? I mean, what an absolute what an absolute relief that would be. I mean, even if we never succeeded in helping our kids develop more socially and relationally acceptable behaviors, and, and I think we will if we keep parenting with our extra vision goggles on, but even if we didn't, wouldn't releasing ourselves from those beliefs wouldn't the benefit of the the the, the relief that comes with releasing ourselves from those beliefs wouldn't that alone be totally worth this huge paradigm shift right the relief of freeing ourselves from believing our kids' behaviors are a reflection of our worth as a parent, or our kids' behaviors are a reflection of their character, right? What if we could release ourselves from those beliefs? That would be amazing. So 
Looking specifically at lying, it's really, really, really important we get honest with ourselves and acknowledge that lying is actually a completely normal human behavior, right? Now, I get that if you're parenting or in relationship with a kid with a history of trauma, that you are experiencing lying that falls pretty outside the parameters of kind of quote unquote normal human behavior. I totally, completely get that. But for us to really look at lying as a trauma-driven behavior, we've got to get honest about that part first, that lying in and of itself is a completely normal human behavior, right? I mean, think about it. When was the last time you lied? Really think about it, like really be honest with yourself here. It might be uncomfortable, but really be honest with yourself. You probably don't have to, you know, search in your memory banks that far, to find a moment when you weren't completely honest or truthful about something. Ask yourself, why? Why did I do that? Why wasn't I totally honest? And be honest with yourself right now, right? There are all sorts of reasons that are coming into your mind about why you weren't honest in that exact moment, I'm sure. But they probably all land somewhere near the truth that we only lie because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't, right? We only lie because it doesn't feel safe to tell the truth. And and when I say safe, I don't necessarily mean physically safe. I mean, sometimes, sometimes, especially for kids with a history of trauma, what they've learned is a survival, you know, a way, a way of keeping themselves safe, like even physically, right. And in an attempt to lie in order to keep themselves physically safe, but it doesn't have to be physically safe. So when I say, you know, we are, we only lie because it doesn't feel safe to tell the truth. Let's expand our definition of safe. And and you even really think about the definition of felt safety, right? It, It could even be that the lie is intended to keep us relationally safe, right? It could be that if I don't lie, I'm not going to get what I want. And the relational repercussions of lying is deemed, at least in that moment, less bad than the possibility of not getting what I want, Sometimes lying happens when we feel safe enough in a relationship to know that that relationship will withstand how the lie impacts it, right? That ultimately I have enough safety in this relationship that I know the relationship's going to be okay, even if I lie, right? Sometimes lying happens because we're prioritizing the relationship in the moment, right? We know that the truth would be hurtful and we prefer to avoid that uncomfortable situation that would arise if we were truthful. I wanted to pause the episode real quick and read you this testimonial from one club member. This person writes in, the club has been life-changing for me. For me, feeling alone in the stress and the overwhelm of parenting a child with complex trauma has been traumatic. 
Here in the club, we are finding healing for ourselves by feeling seen and heard and validated, even though we may have come here for our children's healing. Oh, y'all, that is exactly what I'm trying to do in the club, to create a space that's for you that also brings healing to your kids. So the club's open for new members until April 28th. We'd love to have you. RobinGobel.com slash the club. All right, let's get back to the episode. Sometimes lying happens because we can't tolerate the idea of what could happen to the relationship, even if it's just for a moment, if we told the truth. And that's an important one to remember that especially the stressed out brain, especially a brain that's been impacted by trauma, that brain isn't in a place of being able to consider the repercussions of a behavior that's further into the future beyond just a moment or two, right? So the lie, even though we, with our like not stressed out brain, we can say like, well, the lie ultimately was worse than telling the truth to the child with a stressed out brain or the child with a history of trauma that's impacting the their level of health safety and their level of arousal, they really don't have the capacity to consider future repercussions or future implications. It's all just about now, right? And, and sometimes lying happens because we just can't tolerate the idea of what will happen inside us. For example, the sensation of shame or humiliation that the brain is anticipating will arise if we told the truth. And so even though the lying is worse in the long run, it's serving this important short-term purpose, which is in this exact moment, I can delay, even if it's just for another moment or two, the intensity of the the sensations that would arise in me if I told the truth or when the truth is discovered. So ultimately, right, there's just really a ton of explanations for lying. Really, it always comes down to that it's not safe to tell the truth. So what happens if you allow that to really sink in? that lying almost always comes down to, it's not safe to tell the truth. Does it change anything for you about how you see the behavior of lying? And if it does, does that change any inner sensations that you're having? And it's completely okay if it doesn't. I'm just prompting you to notice. Notice anything that's arising as we consider the different possibilities for what's underneath a behavior that maybe seems pretty simple, right? Lying maybe seems really simple, but there's so many potential explanations if we put on our x-ray vision goggles that then ultimately land us back on it in this moment, it doesn't feel safe to tell the truth. We really, really need those x-ray vision goggles on to get this curious and consider all these possibilities, right? I mean, it, 
it seems like there's such an obvious explanation. They lied to manipulate and get what they want. Well, well, sure. But, but why was the lying necessary? And why did it feel that important to get quote unquote, what they wanted? You know, and, and maybe it feels like it shouldn't matter. Lying is wrong, period. It doesn't matter the reason, just don't do it. But if we want to increase our success at shifting a behavior for our child that isn't working out for them in the long-term relationally or socially, right? We really want to use those x-ray vision goggles, right? And we can do both. Like we can stick to our values that lying is wrong, right? And put on our x-ray vision goggles and get curious about what's happening underneath. And if lying is about a lack of felt safety, well, I mean, don't we want to know that? I know that I want to create as much felt safety in my relationship with my child as possible, especially as he's getting older. I assume that sometime in the future, and honestly, maybe even the near future, he's going to find himself in some kind of pickle that... I want him to feel like he can turn to us for help, right? Because my adult brain is likely going to be more helpful to him in managing whatever difficulty he's found himself in than his teenage brain. If for no other reason that between me and my husband, we've probably already been there and done that and have some ideas about what to do next. And I really want him to have the felt safety in our relationship to come to us during those moments, right? So looking at the felt safety and the connection in our relationship is really important to me. Here's another reason why we really need those x-ray vision goggles. I mean, one of the biggest challenges with the behavior of lying isn't actually the lie our child is telling us. It's about how being lied to makes us feel, right? I mean, we hate being lied to. I've rarely met a parent who isn't pretty triggered by being lied to, whether that's by their kid or by someone else. I mean, it's pretty universal that lying awakens all sorts of feelings and sensations inside our brain and our body, right? And our brain starts shouting all sorts of things at us. Things like, what, what do you think I'm stupid? Right. Like we have this feeling that like our kids lying to us because they think we're morons. Right. And we don't like to feel that way. We don't like to think somebody else thinks we're stupid. Right. Or maybe our brain says to us something like you, meaning our child, you, my child are a pathological liar. And that really scares me. Or our brain is yelling at us, you, my child, are causing me to question my own experience and reality, and that really scares me. Or, or maybe our brain starts yelling at us, I must be a really terrible parent to raise a liar. Or we do this thing we talked about in the last episode on x-ray vision, right? That we start future tripping and we go to something like liars can't ever have positive relationships. And ultimately my child's going to go to jail. I mean, really, these are all super scary thoughts, right? 
thinking our kid might be a pathological liar, thinking I must be a terrible parent and I'm the reason my child is lying or um, questioning my own experience in reality because somebody who's really good at lying can make us feel like, oh, maybe I'm the one who's wrong here, right? right? Or, or being so worried that our child's habit of lying and difficulty in connecting to the truth is going to have long-term repercussions on them and ultimately land them in jail, right? These are really, really scary thoughts. And, and when we all have scary thoughts, we, we often act in ways that are experienced as scary to our child, right? And then inside like our relational back and forth, the fear just increases and, and the lying doesn't stop. Right. So what if you could replace your own scared thoughts, those scared thoughts about how this is your fault or your child's a pathological liar. They're going to end up in jail someday. or Your child thinks I'm stupid. Right. What if you could replace those? What if we could change the way our own thoughts are talking to us and maybe change those thoughts into something that sounds like my child doesn't think I'm stupid. They're scared. Right. Or Continual lying is a behavior that will indeed have negative long-term consequences, but worrying about that in this moment doesn't help me deal with the real life problem that's happening right now. Or a thought that sounds like I'm a good parent who struggles sometimes, like all parents do, right? You know, lying is so universal, so universal. It's a part of of every parent-child relationship, I'm, I, I, I'm, I guess it's hard for me to say that. I've never met a family that where lying wasn't a part of the parent-child relationship, and honestly, including my own, that lying is a normal human behavior. And sometimes in my own family, we're faced with dealing with lying behavior from our son. And when my husband and I are on our own parenting game, when we're regulated, connected, and feeling safe, which isn't always by not even close, is not even close to being always, but when we are, we can pause and we can ask ourselves, what has happened? What has happened that is leading our child to believe that lying is the best way out in this moment? And then we have to be really honest with ourselves about owning our contributions to it. And really digging deep and going, how have I contributed to this? Because nothing happens all by itself, right? It's we're in a relational experience. There's relational exchanges happening constantly. And in some way, shape or form, we've contributed to what's happening in this moment that is ultimately resulting in my child not being truthful, right? That doesn't mean we're taking the blame and it doesn't mean my kid's getting off the hook, it just means we've got to be really honest about how we've together co-created what's happening and then own our part and be fiercely committed to making a change so that our kid then has is set up to be able to make the changes that he needs to make, right? So putting on these x-ray vision goggles and then really getting honest about our own scared thoughts and then really getting honest about what, how we've contributed, how we've co-created this experience 
allows us to so much more clearly answer why is this happening? And then when we can answer why is this happening, we are going to be so much more successful at solving this problem, addressing this problem now in this moment, or, or maybe it needs to be in the future. Maybe your child is just too dysregulated in the moment for you to do anything beyond just disengaging and not insisting in that moment that they tell the truth or tell you why they're not telling the truth or, or any of these things that we're, we're very humanly driven to do. But if our child has reached a level of dysregulation, they can't access their thinking brain right? We've got to prioritize then regulation, connection, and felt safety. And remembering that there's something underneath the lie, that there's, that the, there's those things driving the lie will help to remind you that you aren't just ignoring this behavior or allowing your kid to behave bad, right? When you're using these x-ray vision goggles and you can think about regulation, connection, felt safety, you're using your own thinking brain, right? To realize that your child is too dysregulated for you to deal with the behavior in that moment. And when I say deal with, I mean, address, like attempt to change, right? Attempt to, 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 to negotiate with them how this, how this behavior needs to change in the future, right? When you're using your x-ray vision goggles, you can remember that in this moment, my child is so dysregulated. My primary goal right now is regulation, connection, and felt safety. And once I have those back on board, once we've reestablished connection, regulation, and felt safety, and my child's thinking brain has re-engaged, then we can look at addressing this behavior in a long-term manner, like really thinking about how are we going to solve this problem truly? And that's what I do at my house too, right? Like I can't address with my kid what is going on that I see that is contributing to this lying behavior. And again, including owning how I'm contributing to it. I can't do that until he's regulated, connected to himself and to me and feeling safe, right? So that he's not getting defensive, so that his thinking brain is working appropriately, so that we can maintain connection, even when talking about a diff difficult behavior. And then we can truly brainstorm, like, how are we going to solve this problem? Okay, so that's why understanding what's driving the behavior is so necessary so that we can stay grounded, we can stay regulated, we can stay focused on the real problem in the real moment, help our kids move back into regulation, connection, felt safety, and then address the problem, right? Lying is such a common and sticky behavior challenge that last year I filmed and created a really thorough 90 minute webinar that dives far into the nitty gritty of lying, into the nitty gritty of tracking our own responses, and then into the nitty gritty of concrete, actionable steps to take in the moment and then outside the moment to really create an environment and a relationship between you and your child in which the lying can decrease. So you can snag that webinar over in my webinar store at robingobel.com slash lying webinar. And you'll have instant and unlimited access. So you'll download it. It gets to be yours forever.
Next episode, I have another special guest coming to the podcast. It's going to be another bonus episode, so two in one week, where I get to talk with Mark Vitsas, the founder of Seen and Heard Parent Coaching. On his website, Mark writes that at a parent conference, he found himself considering, what if my children have been telling me what was wrong all along? but I just hadn't been listening. Mark is a master at seeing through to the heart of the problem right away and organizing it clearly, succinctly, and with actionable steps. I mean, I've learned a lot from him and how he can articulate things so clearly and succinctly and then create these actionable steps. So look for that episode to be released in just a couple days. If you're parenting a kid impacted by trauma or supporting families who are caring for kids impacted by trauma, you can find so many free resources over on my website, blog articles, more podcast episodes, several free video series, including a video series and free ebook on trauma, memory, and behaviors, as well as a free video series that helps you really understand this paradigm shift over to regulation and connection and felt safety, which you're hearing me say over and over and over again. If you're super curious about that and you're wondering, what is she even talking about? Or I need to learn more about what she's saying. I have a free video for you over on my website. So head over to robingobel.com, poke around. You'll discover all sorts of free resources. And I also have a webinar store where for a very low cost, you can instantly download webinars that dive even deeper into specific topics, right? So while you're over on my website, you can sign up to be one of the first to know when my comprehensive online course, Parenting After Trauma, Minding the Heart and Brain, reopens for registration, which I'm anticipating is going to be soon, mid-February 2021. Don't forget, of course, to add Parenting After Trauma to your favorite podcast player so you'll always have the most recent episode at your fingertips. And definitely, please, if you've enjoyed the podcast, share with your friends, colleagues, everyone who helps care for kids impacted by trauma. I mean, I really believe that together we are on this mission to help the whole world understand the relational neurobiology of being human. And when I think about what could change, if everyone understood that, I, like, I'm i just left speechless, like in awe about what would change if all humans truly understand the relational neurobiology of being human. And I just happen to think that parents of kids with trauma and the support people in their lives, teachers, therapists, I believe we are the ones to lead this crusade with the trauma-informed community and then so far beyond. So please share the podcast, direct people over to my website and social media. All right, y'all. I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids. But also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? 
All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you, then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash beingwith, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you could get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you could just head to my website download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now and I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.